probably say heartbreaking, if I'm honest. Heartbreaking because I just remember when I did it, my injury, I just remember sat in the hospital thinking, um, I'm not going to be able to play for a while again, or play again at a high standard. Gareth Bale has joined Real Madrid for a world record fee of £85 million. Just poor, poor practice on the way he was treated. There was no thoughts about his, his well-being, there was no follow-up calls, there was absolutely nothing for him. Confirmation now from Manchester City that John Stones has joined them from Everton for a transfer fee of £47.5 million. Football's a fantastic place when you're succeeding. When it's not quite going right, it can be incredibly lonely. And when players are lonely, they need help. In the world of multi-multi-million pound footballers, there are over 12,000 young boys and girls in the football academy system, all with one dream. One dream to make it as a professional footballer. 99% of those will not see the dazzling lights, fame and fortune football can bring with it. What happens when they're told they won't make it as a professional footballer though? A dream they've had for so long. How does it feel? And what more could be done to help them after they've been released? This is the footballer's dream. He suffered from it. You know, his friendship groups disappeared overnight. He lost his own identity. Um, you know, he'd be, always been known as Kieran Bywater, the football player who played at West Ham. And then suddenly he was at home living with his parents again. Suddenly not being able to get a club because of all the, the issues with contracts and people play, paying for young players who have been at Cat 1 clubs. So it's really difficult for him and us as a family. The words are Simon Bywater, the father to Kieran. Kieran was from the West Ham Academy structure and at the age of 19, with all signs pointing towards a contract extension, Kieran was suddenly released. Kieran lost most of his friendship group at school due to spending so much time as a teen with the Hammers and suffered hugely psychologically after his release. Simon claims the support his son was given was not sufficient after being released, and it's a familiar message. Pete Lowe was Head of Education and Performance Management at Manchester City for nearly 13 years, and now works closely with young players and their families as Director of the Players' Trust. He believes there's a process of good management when it comes to releasing a player, a process some professional clubs do better than others. You get big indicators on a daily basis whether or not a player is ever going to be good enough to make the appropriate standard and if he's not going to make the appropriate standard in truth actually you should be setting that process up to deal with the problem that's going to arise very quickly or even over a period of time you're preparing that player's mindset for the fact that he's not going to be quite good enough to play in that standard so instead of dropping a bomb on him you know at the last second where if you like his, his world is shattered overnight inside milliseconds and his mind when he's got up for breakfast this morning or that morning there was no issues and all of a sudden two hours later he's faced with the most cataclysmic situation of his life. With all due respect, I don't call that good management of a player's needs. A report in 2015 by Dr David Blakelock found young footballers released from their contracts between the age of 15 and 18 suffered from high levels of mental health problems with depression, anxiety and a loss of confidence experienced by many. Of 100 players studied, 36% experienced clinical levels of psychological distress one week after their contract ended 
After three weeks, this rose to 55%. Dr. David Blakelock says the way players feel can vary considerably after release. While some players might experience positive emotions like relief from the employment conditions and, and the physical demands of football and you know, increased psychological well-being, like increased relaxation and increased enjoyment of life, others, I suppose, can experience more um, negative emotions or reduced transition quality. So I suppose that can be increased anxiety, uh, feeling depressed, feeling humiliated, um, confused about their identity, might even feel suicidal. Something that you've already mentioned not too long ago about something like 55% leaving with psychological problems. That doesn't surprise me. It, it's an issue in the game because players are under huge pressure now, even at that level, and they want it so much that actually when they, they don't get it, it's a massive surprise to them because they put all their eggs in one basket. The support for those released after being deemed not good enough has been slowly rising to prominence in the game, but for the support given to those released during injury, less seems to be said. Brad Whelan broke his leg twice in a short period of time with his side Burton Albion, not giving him the support he felt he needed second time around. He left the Brewers and had to seek his own help from the doctors. I had to push myself to ask for help and some of it was down to too many injuries, some of it was down to funding, some of it was down to we're not going to offer you anything because we don't think you're going to be back up to that standard. When I, I broke my leg, it was the same leg and in the same place, so they thought it was getting weaker. So obviously they didn't want a player that was going to be injury prone going into pro contract. Both the Premier League and the English Football League defend youth system processes for their teams. The Elite Player Performance Programme was introduced in 2012 to trace player development better, but arguably more importantly, make the coaches more accountable. In the same year as the EPPP introduction, the Premier League earmarked £320 million to focus on youth development, including player welfare. Simon says the support players get is complete luck. There's no independent body to advise parents from contract negotiations, from signing their schoolboy forms, to all the way through to scholarships, to pro contracts, how to deal with agents. That's one of the things that we found difficult was uh, who do you turn to? You know, you, you, you turn to a football club, they've got an agenda because you know that's, that's what they're in the game for. You, you have agents circling around training grounds like, uh, like sharks. Having spoken to several players off record, many discuss the feeling of losing their identity and many have no idea of what they want to do now their football career is over. Blakelock's key findings also showed young players having an athletic identity in which they almost wholly see themselves as footballers. When you're told you know, you're released, it's one of the biggest like shocks, your heart drops, you think, what's going on, you know? Have I done something wrong? Am I not good enough? Or something like that. But due to injury, it was hard because you had to prove to everybody that you were back to the way you were. I think it's all about being honest with players. I think it's all about demonstrating to players that you care about them not just as footballers, but as people. It's OK having an elite player performance programme that talks about people first, players second. I've seen it in some places where people are first and players second. And I've seen it in other places where players are first and people don't matter. The story of Kieran Bywater is one that's all too familiar for Simon, who now works closely with the Players' Trust, advising parents who are in the shoes he once was. To suddenly be told you're no longer wanted, 
uh, was a massive psychological blow to him because he'd lost most of his friendship group at school because he was going to London, living in London. His friendship group was around the football club. And, and it was just poor, poor practice on the way he was treated. There was no thoughts about his, his well-being. There was no follow-up calls. There was absolutely nothing for him. Uh, and we had to go capping hand to the PFA to get him some counselling sessions. But why has football taken so long to look at mental health? and more detailed player welfare plans. Could this be down to the professionals talking or something more? Their experiences has brought the mental health or welfare agenda more to light, so to speak, and bring it more into public awareness and was awareness of the staff within the clubs as well. Um, and I suppose it's only through that research and player sharing experiences that I think it's probably led to more change. It's important that this debate has had. I think um, it's, it's, it's been under the radar for far too long, really. Um, so, as, as always, in mental health issues, it's, it's good to talk to people and through media and things like this, I think we can achieve it. Both Pete and Simon are working together on plans to take to the FA over the players' trust being given support that could make a difference to the way young footballers receive advice, whether that be during their time at a club or after release. It's a hope with funding they could change matters for young footballers like Brad and Kieran, who didn't have people to turn to without an agenda. You know, we've had little situations like this year where a mother and father phoned. Their 11-year-old son, who was a goalkeeper, didn't know how to handle uh, the weight of expectation of a coach in the changing room, and it was becoming too much for him. And nobody inside of the club had noticed that it was a problem, and yet the goalkeeper they believe is, is, is a, you know, a, a good prospect, etc. And even if he wasn't, he's got a right to be treated with parity, according to others. And all we did was help the parents on how to alleviate that pressure and to speak to the coach concerned. It's a really great example, actually. And it's a really simple, basic one. And how many times that happens in a football club? Wow probably thousands, if not more, in a season. I understand that we've got to have a good proposal, which is what we've put forward. I, I do hope, because it's recognised within government, you know, Damien Collins has recognised it, Tanya Gray-Thompson, she's recognised that sport needs an independent organisation, and I do hope that the governing bodies, uh, the Premier League uh, government, will all um, help support us. There are positive outcomes from being released, though, with the right support. Kieran Bywater sought help from the Players' Trust and is now on a soccer scholarship over in the USA at the University of Charleston, while studying towards a degree, playing regular football for Chattanooga FC. Brad isn't looking back on his past and is currently studying at Nottingham Trent University for a degree in sports and education. Hopefully, after uni, I'll find my career in football again. The numbers are there to see. Football has a problem in failing young players. If 55% of only 100 players surveyed suffered clinical levels of psychological distress, just how many are suffering in silence year after year? How many are lost on their path? How many more need help? It's football's problem child, a problem that will not go away. In the, in the distant past, it was definitely an issue, but I think, as I, as I said before, the culture's probably changing in football and sport generally, and being more open to, to players experiencing 
mental health problems and offering them effective support to get them functioning well and performing well. Yeah, it's, it's always too little, too late in these things. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to dwell on the negative stuff, you know. We can't wind the clock back. We can't change anything that's happened in the past. What we can do, though, is be effective in the way that we change things in the future. The way that we support young players, advise parents, we support young players and senior players. Players of 16 upwards, when they become apprentices at clubs and then eventually professionals at clubs, etc., they've got the Professional Footballers Association, Players Union, if you like. Isn't it time that parents of younger sons and daughters had exactly the same opportunity? I'm not talking about the union, I'm talking about an independent support service they can phone up, they can work with. It's clear to see football is opening up to the change needed. Clubs are supporting their young players as much as others aren't when they release them. An independent body could well be the difference on the impact of young boys and girls having their football dream crushed. When the full-time whistle blows on their career, who is out there for them? For all the fame, prosperity and wealth football can bring, the despair, disbelief and heartless nature of it can change young players' minds for life.